Welcome to the 501 Companion Podcast. This is an educational and news podcast slash podcast for 501c3 charitable organizations that want to create better content, optimize their technology, and improve their marketing to better serve their mission. This is episode 29, and we are just starting our summer shows. My name is Buddy Scalera. I'm the chief content officer and the host of the 501 Companion Podcast. My career is focused on digital marketing, social, emerging technologies, and I'm also a professional writer working and teaching the craft and business of making comics. And I am joined by none other than Sandy Minuti, the chief operating officer at Family Promise. Sandy's a versatile nonprofit executive with 20 plus years of extensive experience in public relations, marketing, fundraising, and strategic planning. She's committed to advancing a vibrant and healthy philanthropic marketplace in which charities have the necessary skills and resources to solve our community's most pressing issues. And today we have a very special guest. Uh, we're being joined by Steve Dowd of the JITIS Group. I may get that wrong, Steve. You may have to correct me on that. Uh, out of uh, Boise, Idaho, uh, whose mission is to improve the effectiveness and efficiency of nonprofit organizations. And Steve's the vice president of sales and he's responsible for executing the strategic marketing plan in developing sales of BPO and ERP solutions for bookkeeping, accounting, and financial services in the nonprofit sector. We'll get into all of that. Please welcome Sandy and Steve. Thanks, right. buddy. And I will correct you, it's, it's Jatasa, uh, Jatasa Group. But JITIS is one of the better things we've been called. So, so I'll take that. We'll, we'll go with that. But it, <laughs> no, it is uh, Jatasa. <laughs> and Jatasa has a meaning. I remember looking it up on your website. What's the meaning of It does. Uh, it does. It's actually a Thai word that loosely translates as the spirit of serving others. And as we exclusively support the nonprofit sector, we thought that, that was kind of a, a cool way to tie what we do to, or the purpose of what we do to uh, the clients we serve. So, yeah. I love it. And that's great. And Sandy, welcome back. It's been a, it's been a bit since we've been on camera together, but uh, I'm excited. And thanks for bringing Steve to the show. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Steve and Jatasa. I'm excited that we can have this conversation today. And I remember you saying that you were excited because Steve, number one, has been at Jatasa. Did I get it right? Perfect. Yeah. You nailed All it. Right. For, for over 10 years, but he's also a colleague of yours. You've, 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 you've collaborated over time. Talk about your relationship with Steve. Yeah. So uh, like most scrappy nonprofits, when I was a charity navigator, I found myself as CFO and vice president of marketing, which is crazy. Um, and I was literally pulling all-nighters to get financial reports done. And I got an ad through the independent sector, which is a trade group for nonprofits, about Chitasa. And we'd been looking around locally for a bookkeeper or CFO or somebody part-time. And it was just so expensive to get that kind of local talent. Um, and Jatasa was this beautiful solution where they could do everything soup to nuts in the finance area for a nonprofit. Um, it was really novel at the time to outsource your work to another state. They could pay your bills. This was like mind blowing that we could do all this remotely. Um, but for me, they gave me the peace of mind at night to know that somebody with nonprofit accounting expertise was managing my books. I'm not a CPA. I got my master's degree in finance, but like I'm not a professional in that area. 
Um, so I could really rest assured that they knew what all the current regulations and guidelines were around nonprofit finances and that they could then provide me a report. They would do all the things and provide me the report so I could have the interesting conversation with the board about how we were managing cash flow or where we could invest in new programs or where our revenue was coming in. Um, and it's just been great. And so when I came to Family Promise, I brought Steve and Chitasa along um, so that they can help mitigate that risk for my affiliates um, and help them concentrate on what we do best, right? People in the nonprofit sector are really focused on programs and not always on the HR administrative finance side. You know, Steve, that's that is a heck of a lead-in, and it does sound I, like you know I, I can't beat that. I like yeah. beat that. I've got nothing else to say, buddy. This is <laughs> I can't say enough about Tatasa. They really have been a great solution for Thank many. Thank you, Sandy. Of us. Sandy always has been a great supporter of ours, and so I appreciate the uh, the kind words, Sandy. So, Happy Steve, you, you know, obviously, you know, you are a specialized service in a very deep vertical. Um, talking about, you know, sort of taking the handoff from Sandy. What does Jatasa do and what are your specializations and why is it so important that you only serve uh, charitable organizations? Yeah, it's an interesting question. And it, it, I suppose it deserves a little bit of background in terms of how we even came to be as an organization ourselves. So our CEO and founder, a gentleman named Jeff, Jeff Russell, um, had the vision for this business and some background on Jeff. He, in a prior life, he was with Accenture uh, for a big part of his career. And in that role, he was working with large Fortune 100s, helping them outsource different elements of their operations to drive efficiencies and optimization. And in his spare time, he did a lot of work in the nonprofit world. He and his wife started a 501c3. He served on a number of boards. And he saw this need in the nonprofit world for back office support and functions around, primarily around bookkeeping and accounting. Because most folks, as Sandy was kind of mentioning, most folks go into a career or a nonprofit line of work because they have some vision or some passion or, or mission to make the world a better place somehow. Uh, and and usually that's not by doing bookkeeping and accounting. <laughs> so so Jeff had this idea. And so he, he left Accenture, he went to business school at Yale with the whole objective of putting together the business model that would ultimately become Jatasa and came out and launched the business in um, here in Boise, Idaho, again, where we're located. Uh, back in 2008, and we've grown, grown quite a bit since then. We can talk more about that. But, but Jeff's vision and our whole purpose is to to help our clients um, drive their 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 mission or their programs or their ministry, whatever it may be. We have clients in all walks of the nonprofit world. Help them do that better. And and Sandy, I think you, you referenced something. You know, doing what you do best. Uh, that's kind of our mantra: do what you do best. Um, we don't know anything about running these operations and organizations that we serve, but we know a lot about nonprofit bookkeeping and accounting and financial management. And so our kind of our message to our clients is, hey, you focus on what you do best, your mission. We'll focus on what we do best, keeping your book straight and timely and accurate. And together that that partnership will will grow. And so it's to take that off the, the client's plate so they can they can do just that. You know, Sandy, it, it, it sort of takes me back to a side conversation that we had. You know, you have many responsibilities, people you serve, to the board, to your contributors. Why is it so important uh, for you to have, I feel like it's a softball, but it, why is this so important 
uh, to have these books straight um, and particularly by uh, a team uh, that focuses only on charitable organizations? I mean, obviously, nonprofits have an obligation to their donors that they're protecting the investment that they've made and they're doing a good job stewarding that money to bring about the change in the world that we're all here to do. Um, so there's that piece. And also from an operational standpoint, we can't do those things if we don't if we're not monitoring our cash flow. I mean, that's a huge problem right now with many nonprofits that got big infusions of government money during COVID is that oftentimes those grants come, you do the work, you spend the money, and then the government will reimburse you at some point down the line, usually months later than they promised. Um, so having somebody like Jatasa to help nonprofits guide them through that and that cash, cash flow management is critically important. So, you know, there's the obligation to the public and to the donors, but just operationally, like any small business or large business, I mean, Steve has huge clients, big Boy Scout councils and others, um, not just small mid-sized nonprofits, you know, they have to have a solid handle on their finances in order to be able to serve more people and, and do more things. Yeah. And if, if I can add to that, buddy, and, and you touched on some of the key elements, Sandy, there with in, in helping the clients, our clients, um, be better stewards of the funding that they're receiving from their donors, right? And whether that's a uh, an individual private donor or a, a, a foundation or the government that's, that's granting money, uh, they have an obligation to, to be resourceful and, and diligent with the use of that money. But it also goes to the, 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 the their end deliverable is the, the program that they're delivering and, and serving. And, and an anecdote I can share that we always kind of love to, to tell, this was a number of years ago, uh, we had a, a a battered women's shelter come to us and they said, we need help because our financials are not in, in good shape. And we got turned down for a grant because our financials were not um, clean and, and accurate. And so we took them out as a client and we cleaned things up. We did a lot of work with them over the course of the next year. They applied for that same grant the following year and were awarded that grant. And they came back to us and said, because of what you did, Jatas, and because of what you helped us do, there are X, I can't remember what the number was, 50, 60 more women will have a place to come to for, for shelter when they're dealing with their domestic situation, whatever it may be. And it was kind of like, wow, that's, that's pretty cool. That's what, that, you know, we, we get deep into the debits and credits and, and, you know, accuracy and timeliness, yeah. blah, 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 <laughs> which is why we do what we do. But the real reason we do what we do is so our clients can do those things and deliver on their mission. And that was uh, that was a it was just a great story to hear from this this particular client. And we had lots of other stories like that, but that one was one that was really uh, really meaningful for us. You know, Sandy, you 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 lead a um, gosh an, a, a large organization uh, with in, an incredible number of. Um, of, of nuances and things are moving in different locations all at once. And you've talked to me about the challenges of, of governing all of that. Now we should say, this isn't like a paid promotion. This isn't like, <laughs> like, we're, you know, like we're just here and we, and, and nothing of, of that nature, but like, talk to me about your journey, uh, Sandy, uh, in realizing where, where you needed help and, and what it, what it means to sometimes let go of a part of what you do. I mean, you, you said you have a degree in this and yet this, you had to let this go. Was that difficult for you? Uh, was it a relief? 
I mean, that's a good point. That's another thing that many of my affiliates are struggling with right now as they scale up, because many of them have during COVID. Um, you go from being the person that does all the things to like having to let go of pieces of it to other people and whether that's outsourced or internal. And that's really hard to give up that control. Um, I think when we gave up the financial portion portion to just Hasa and Steve can talk about this. We did a lot of vetting. Our board was extremely involved. Um, and it was really critical when I was at Charity Navigator. Here we are rating other nonprofits' finances. We better have ours in like tip-top shape, right? So um, at the end of the day, it was it was a great choice to let it go because it really freed up my time to do the more interesting work and um being strategic about our finances and our operations and not having to do all the, you know, pay this bill that's due tomorrow and all that kind of work that has to get done, which is good to know how that all functions so that you can function at a higher level. But yeah, I think it's always a challenge when you have to give away a piece of your job um, and lose that control to somebody else. But especially with finances, I mean, it, it's just a huge uh, risk mitigation to have it outsourced. Um, there's a lot of moving parts, right? We have treasurers that come and go on the board, staff that come and go. A lot of um, my affiliates in particular are small operations and it's hard to have the necessary checks and balances to make sure different people are participating in the financial process in different ways. So it's great that when you hire somebody outsource, they can take care of all that for you and you know that that risk is being mitigated. Yeah, if I can, if I can chime in again, <laughs> Sandy says these great things it makes me think of thoughts. Because all those things are absolutely right. But the other thing that I always stress this in my conversations with with prospective clients is that that are coming on board. We're going to take great care of your your books and make sure your financials are accurate and timely. But that does not relieve you from your responsibility to still be a financial manager. Our role is to make you a better financial manager. Yeah. So it's still it's still critical that the client plays that role. So, but it's your point that yeah, we're we're taking some of those functions away. Maybe the day to day, monthly activities of managing the general ledger, we're taking that off the client's plate. But hopefully, freeing up some time so that the client can now take the data that we're providing them, and be that financial manager that they need to be in their in their nonprofit, um, because they still still have that responsibility. And so we want to make, in fact, some of our clients have told us, they say, you know, I, I actually spend more time in my financials now than I did before I was with Jitasa. And that's a good thing. <laughs> and I'm, I'm more aware of what's going on now. And I, I have a better idea. And when I sit down with my board, I can have a more, more productive and strategic conversation because I'm more aware of what's going on now with my financials. So, so that's an important part that, that it takes some things away, but also keeps the client heavily involved in their, their financial management. Well, that's really interesting. Now, Sandy, uh, often uh, you'll lead the, the conversation since you know our guests about their secret origin and how they got here. You want to you want to take over on this? Well, I was going to this is a secret conversation, I guess, maybe um, we were talking in our last uh, vlog cast uh, about taking um, breaks and sabbaticals. And Steve is actually doing that. That's a policy at his organization. Maybe Steve wants to share a little bit about that. Oh, yeah, see, I'll talk more time about a sabbatical than I will about accounting <laughs> any day. <laughs> now, you know, um, 
it is one of the the blessings of our our business is that employees are granted a, every five years granted a, a sabbatical, and and that was part of Jeff's vision as well in building this business. He he wanted his he knew his his staff was going to be working hard and be committed and dedicated and so forth, and he wanted in addition to, to normal PTO you have each year to to everyone to be able to take a six week break. Uh, every five years and really disconnect because you know you, we all take vacations but we don't always really disconnect if you're gone for a week you know you can put things on hold and come back to it um and uh you know and um or, or kind of stay on top of email while you're on vacation um, but when you're away for six weeks you, you have to let it go because you can't be there and so that was, and again that's one of our our uh, um one of Jeff's objectives is to have us disconnect, recharge, and come back uh, energized. And so uh, it's it's a blessing. And and I am happy. I'm, I'm coming up on my 10-year anniversary, so <laughs> I'm getting ready for my my second sabbatical coming up. So it's it's a uh, it's a it's a, a wonderful benefit. And and again, it but it speaks to not to get off on another tangent, but it speaks to the need for all of us to kind of disconnect every now and then. And uh, and step away and uh, and come back better charged and, and energized about what we're doing. I mean, we're definitely dealing with the great resignation right now. I'm seeing that across my affiliates. The work that nonprofits do is hard um, and people are really burnt out post COVID. Mm -hmm. Just continue to put the fires out. And now that COVID's settling down, all the fires that were there before are coming up. Um, so I think having a sabbatical policy across the board is the way to go is definitely critical to give people that time, like you said, to really decompress, really get away, really change their mindset, see something new, and then come back refreshed with new ideas. I think it's critical. Yeah, and it, it and you know, a longer uh, sabbatical like the one you just talked about, Steve, uh, encourages you to do more than a staycation, right? Like you, you have a couple days, right. maybe you can do an overnighter, maybe you can do a week. I don't know. We go down the shore. I don't know what you do in Idaho. You tan. Have you been at the shore? I was down the shore. Yeah, actually, yeah. I was. <laughs> so, you know, then you think about that, uh, the fact that you can actually really travel, mm -hmm. I would imagine, uh, helps you to reset and then really see the world that you're trying to serve. Uh, am, I, uh, am I on track with that, Steve? Was the first sabbatical uh, remind you of, of your mission? Yeah. I'm if I was a better man, I'd say yes. <laughs> but, <laughs> but to be honest, um, I, we so my first sabbatical, um, my wife and I traveled. Uh, we spent three weeks traveling between Cape Cod and and Maine up the, the New England coast, which we'd never seen before. Wow. And um, and then we took three weeks and hopped over to Ireland and traveled throughout Ireland for three weeks. Um, but but it's kind of interesting that you asked that, buddy, because it it did. Uh, we, we went to places we'd never been before, right? And and saw things and met people and experienced food and culture that we'd never never had before, and otherwise wouldn't have had the opportunity to do so when you when you're like really immersed in it as we did, and um, and and it it does it gives you an appreciation for the the world, right? Seeing things that you otherwise hadn't seen before, and the serendipity of discovering things that you didn't anticipate. And you come back with that and, and realize, you know, maybe, maybe I wasn't thinking directly of our business or, or the clients, but I came back with this, just this energy that, oh, wow, that was, that was really cool. And it makes me want to go out again and experience more and, and share more and so forth. And, and we'll be doing that again when we take our, our trip this, this year. So, 
Um, so yeah, I, I wouldn't say directly uh, thinking about the, the mission, but it, but indirectly it comes back. That's part of that energy that you come back after stepping away and, and disconnecting for a while and, and getting to experience things. I think too, as hard as it is for a leader to step away, um, it's important to do that for the betterment of the organization. One of the things I learned when I took over the finances initially is like, you need to be off for two weeks in a row because that gives enough time kind of to cycle through some of the financial operations to catch any problems. Like if I was moving money to an account in the Cayman Islands, right? That should come up in those two weeks I'm gone. So having a director away, there's that risk management, but also it teaches the organization how to survive when that director does move on. You know, make sure that you have all the policies and procedures in place. People know how to find passcodes. People know how to deal with different crises. People know how to talk to the board or, or to donors. Um, so I think, it's it's really really hard to step away as a leader, but I think it's I think it's important for the growth of the organization to practice that from time to time. And it's interesting you mentioned that, Sandy, because uh, I mentioned Jeff Russell, our our founder and CEO. He 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 instituted this this program this policy, but he had never taken his own sabbatical. Yeah, that's and and uh, <laughs> and I think it was I don't know if it was eight years into the business, nine years in, our our board of directors said, you know, Jeff you need to take this for a couple of reasons. Number one, you need to step away and recharge. You need to show this example to your staff that it's okay to do this um, as the as the the ultimate leader, as the CEO. Um, and, and you need to demonstrate to the business that they can make decisions and run the business without you at the helm. And so Jeff said, well, okay, board, if you're telling me. <laughs> so he, he took a great sabbatical himself and, and it, it checked all those boxes um you know we, we figured out how to do things with without jeff he, he empowered us to make decisions um and uh and he showed all of us that hey this is this is something that we all can do and should do uh so yeah i think the the lead it's there's lots of different ways we as leaders need to show set examples for the the, the people we're we're leading uh that's that's one way of doing so yeah and you guys have gone really remote now too right yeah, um, like like most everyone, we uh, were based in Boise. Historically, we'd always had our, our headquarters and main service center here in Boise. We have three other global offices in Europe, Asia, and, and Central America. But our U.S. operations were, were based in Boise. Um, on March 13th, 2020, when the whole world turned upside down, we all packed up things, went home, and, and set up a shop at home. And um, with with the intent that you know we'll be back in a few months, right. <laughs> I think everybody thought yeah. that, and it didn't happen. And and as we kind of went through things, we realized, and and the leadership team realized, you know what, we're we haven't lost clients because of this, we haven't lost staff because of this, we haven't lost any productivity because of this, and oh by the way, we can greatly reduce some of our operating costs. And so, yeah, we've gone to this uh, this uh, remote model, and 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 it's opened up the instead of hiring only in Boise or, or recruiting folks and saying, hey, you got to move to Boise, Idaho, which not everybody may want to do. Um, it's allowed us to to recruit talent and candidates across the country that we otherwise wouldn't have had access to. So it's it's been a very very good thing for our business. Yeah, we've, we've gone pretty remote as well. I think the challenge has been for the newer staff to kind of build trust and relationships over yeah. Zoom. Um, this past week, we had an on-site retreat and brought everybody in, and um, I can already see the difference. Um, 
you know, and I, we would have done that earlier, but there was all the, you know, variants of COVID. It was hard to get people together still. But I think moving forward, we're going to be pretty intentional about having regular meetups with everybody just, just to have fun. Even it doesn't even have to be a work meeting. Um, but I think that's, that's going to be a big challenge for a lot of nonprofits moving forward. I think they're going to have to continue to offer that remote possibility. Like you said, there's upside. You can get talent from anywhere, maybe that you didn't have access to before. And we've definitely seen, we've seen affiliates triple their budget, triple the number of people they've served. Our office has tripled. So there's, I think we've still been really successful, but there's, it's not a hundred percent, right? Like you still have to put some intention among building those relationships. Sure. Sure. I totally agree. That's a good one. Now, Steve, as we uh, as we sort of come toward the runway of of uh, of our time together, um, I was wondering, you know, it sounds great that you can go to an organization like yours uh, for these kinds of services. Um, what kinds of organizations are best served by a company like Jiatsu, uh, and and what are not? What ones are not? So now, now, buddy, you said Jiatsu that time. So Jatasa. So, so here, yeah. I, 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 <laughs> this I'll is gonna be fun. We're done with the call. I'll get it. I'll take you a shot at you each time. It, no, it's that's fine. Again, it's been butchered far worse than that. <laughs> yeah, that's that's uh, that's funny. So you know, it's it's interesting. We um, we've got uh, over a thousand nonprofit clients across the country, um, across I think forty eight different states. Um, in, in, in clients in all walks of the nonprofit world, as I mentioned, in organizations that range in size from small startups that just got their initial funding and need help getting their feet on the ground and, and, a, and a foundation put in place to, to these large, as Sandy mentioned, you know, national federations, multi-hundred million dollar nonprofits. Uh, and in in all of them are, of course, <laughs> you're talking to a guy who's the, the sales guy, right? So I think we're the best solution for every nonprofit out there. <laughs> but there's there's different reasons why we're a good fit. In some of the rural parts of the country, for example, um, and we have clients in, in very, very small markets where they may not have the pool of candidates with the, the skill set to do nonprofit accounting, which is very unique in itself. They may not have the pool of candidates. And so in that case, the need that we're satisfying, and whether they're a small nonprofit or a larger nonprofit, the need we're satisfying there is, is just access to skill set and, and talent. Um, so, so that's a dynamic there. Now, in some of the larger markets, um, New York, DC, San Francisco, those are some of our, our three largest markets. Uh, we have a lot of clients there their needs are a little bit different. They have lots of access to, to skill set and talent, but the, the cost of the skill set in those markets may be quite a bit more. And so the fact that we're in Boise, Idaho, and with offices in, in Costa Rica and Sarajevo and, and Bangkok, the, we're, we're able to balance out the cost for our skills and the, the staff that we bring to the table uh, in a much more cost-effective manner than you would pay for those same skill sets in those those major markets. So that's that's more of a, in some cases, a business discussion around budget management because they got access to the talent. They just, from a cost-effective standpoint, they may be able to do it more, um, or from a cost management standpoint, be able to do so more cost-effectively by outsourcing to uh, to a firm like Jitasa. So it's, again, it's just different reasons and and different needs because those larger nonprofits they're they're big enough they could staff an entire department in many cases. 
Um, but they would spend a lot more money doing so considering salaries, benefits, payroll taxes, the time involved in recruiting and hiring and training and managing uh, and hopefully retaining uh, that staff. Um, the, the business case is completely different when you, when you look at uh, an outsource model. So there's a couple of, I'm not sure yeah. if that made sense, but it was a couple of different thoughts about why a nonprofit and what types of nonprofits we may be a good fit for. There's different reasons based on the, where the nonprofit is and the life of the nonprofit and size and complexity and so forth. Wow, that's really helpful. Sandy, any, any final thoughts on this uh, before we start to move into the, the last couple questions? Yeah, I mean, I think another reason, um, and this was kind of part of your answer that a nonprofit would hire Jatasa is the redundancy, right? I have an affiliate that their CFO quit unexpectedly mm. and they don't have the skills in the backup. They can do some basic things, but they're in a panic. They need somebody pretty quickly. So if your account manager leaves at Jatasa, no worries, somebody else is gonna pick up that work tomorrow. So. There's a consistency in knowing that you always have your back covered. And I think all this really just goes back to nonprofits knowing like, what is it that we exist to do and where can we outsource work so that we can concentrate on our core mission and things like HR, admin, finances. I think those are great things to outsource to the professionals, the experts. We're doing it all day, every day. And, and then you, you can rest at night and really concentrate on your programs. And I think, um, to your point, that can be hard sometimes for nonprofits to relinquish that and for boards to understand that. Um, but it can really free up a lot of resources in the end for the nonprofit to be more focused on serving people or cleaning up the environment or whatever their core mission is. Now, that's a great point. And, and you know, I, I have worked in the pharmaceutical industry uh, for years and years. And Steve, I worked at an agency that did not take on work that was outside of prescriptions. And the reason for that is we said, look, we don't do anything but this, but we do this all the time, every day. And that was the value prop, which was to say, there was, there was nothing else on our plate except for uh, our clients in the prescription space. So I, I, I understand that value prop and I think it's a great one. Yeah. Agreed, agreed. So Sandy, you usually get the last question and before I do a cold read of the final part, uh, any final thoughts that you want to throw to your- I'm going to give him a trick question. Put, Who's put your on, favorite a hard one on. <laughs> oh boy, oh boy, here we yeah, go. Give, give us a story about an interesting client. Wow, wow. Well, I've got this, this one client group that, um, that does this tremendous work to, to help families avoid homelessness. <laughs> no, you know what? Uh, it, so, so, as you can imagine, and Family Promise is a, a wonderful organization, a wonderful client of ours, but it, we've got clients in all walks of the, the nonprofit world. The, and I'm, I'm going to probably butcher this name, but we have the American Coleopterist. I hope they're not listening right now, but I want to say American Coleopterist Society, that they're an organization somewhere in the Midwest, I think in Minnesota, and they're all about the, the study of the benefit of beetles. And so, which is, I, and again, I think it's Coleopterist, oh, Coleoptery, <laughs> probably butchering that. But they're all about beetles and they're totally into beetles and, and, and they, 
establish a 501c3 and they, they raise money so that they can further research into to beetles. It's, it's, it's pretty interesting line of work. And anyway, again, we have clients doing all kinds of great things and that's, that's a pretty unique, uh, area that's of really uh, cool. pursuit <laughs> that is uh, the probably the un most unique um thing <laughs> yeah, right. you've ever heard of right sandy yeah yeah <laughs> i mean it, it just goes to show you right there's over a million nonprofits in america there really are there's so much diversity so that's cool yep. i'm gonna have to yep. look that one up that is and so steve uh traditionally when we close out uh we try to find out where people uh can find uh both your organization Sure. and the best place to get in touch with you. So uh, where can they find the organization? Yeah, no, great. So our website's always the best place, right? Um, our website or URL is www.jetasagroup.com. That's J-I-T-A-S-A group, G-R-O-U-P.com. And on that website is information about our services, our organization, uh, there's a, a, a request to quote button if the client wants, or excuse me, the organization, <laughs> the Freudian, I, I think them all as clients. <laughs> but if the organization wants to learn more and get a price quote, they can contact us through a request to quote uh, button. That's probably the easiest way uh, because we have a sales team that specializes in certain segments of the, the nonprofit market. And depending on the size of the organization, they'll get routed to the, the, the most appropriate person to, to speak with them. But again, and where w can they find you, Steve? It looks like you're on uh, LinkedIn, or is that the best place to reach out if they wanted to find out more about you? About me personally? Yeah, LinkedIn. Yeah. Um, they can find me on LinkedIn. There's a lot more exciting things to look at in the world than me, though. <laughs> I'll tell you. <laughs> but no, if, if anyone wants to reach me, um, LinkedIn, of course, uh, they can find me, Steve Dowd, D-O-U-D. And um, no, I'd be happy to talk with anyone anytime. <laughs> uh, that sounds great. And uh Sandy, where can they find you? I know you are getting more active on social than ever. Um, where can they find uh, Family Promise and where can they follow you? So Family Promise is at familypromise.org and there's a link there to all of our affiliates if you wanna get in contact with a local affiliate. Um, good place to find me is on Twitter at Sandra Minuti and I'm also on LinkedIn at Sandra Minuti. And you're doing a heck of a job on social. You're sharing all the different things yeah, that Family yeah. Promise is doing. And uh, people should be hitting that like button for you. Thank you. Yeah. So uh, my name is Buddy Scalera. And you can find me in all places uh, at Buddy Scalera, be it Twitter, uh, LinkedIn, or my personal website. And you can find us at the 501c3lookup.org website. We hope you enjoyed the 501 Companion Podcast and consider subscribing so that you never miss an episode. If you have any questions, show ideas, or you're part of a charitable organization that wants to be on the show, visit the 501c3lookup.org website to find our contact information, a complete list of our previous episodes with me and Sandy. And of course, the extensive free resources of the 501c3 Lookup website. Thank you for joining us on the 501 Companion Podcast. We hope you join us again next week for the information and inspiration to take your charitable mission to the next level. And we're done. I'll stop recording. Stop recording.